Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, one of our Harvard Business Review tips is gain control over anxiety-inducing thoughts. We often have those, don't we? So some useful tips there. We're also talking with Christina from Ideation at Work about some three useful tips for your business. But right now we're going to have a chat with Samantha Miller, who's a lawyer with Baker Love Lawyers, about estate planning. Good afternoon, Samantha. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us again. No problem. Uh, so uh, we're here talking about estate planning today. What, what exactly does that entail? Essentially, estate planning um, is a strategy to ensure that your estate passes to your intended beneficiaries in the most tax-efficient way and to minimise the potential risk of any will being challenged by a family provision claim. So uh, are all wills the same? No, they really can differ significantly. Essentially, though, there are really two types of will. The first one would be a very basic will, which contains the minimum requirements and is usually drafted quickly without consideration for the tax implications or um, the need for any complex gifts. These types of will simply appoint an executor and trustee and then make provision for their chosen beneficiaries in an absolute or simple gift form. Um, they, they suit the needs of, my, of many. The disadvantages of using this type of will is that the beneficiary will have no choice but to take their inheritance in their personal name. This can be a disadvantage where the inheritance includes income as it will be taxed according to the personal rate. For example, if you inherit a rental property, income will then be taxed at the personal rate of the beneficiary and this could push them into a higher tax bracket. In addition to that problem, um, if any of the beneficiaries were to inherit and then subsequently divorce or separate from their long-term partner, then that inheritance could be vulnerable in family law proceedings. So the other type of will which we generally see is one which includes a testamentary trust, which is used to give asset protection to a beneficiary and take advantage of potentially significant tax-effective structures. Um, That type of protection might be necessary because the beneficiary needs to be protected from their own lack of judgment or from being taken advantage of by someone else, potentially through litigation. Well, that that sounds important. Why wouldn't everyone have a testamentary trust? Well, given the complexity of a testamentary trust, it's often um, quite expensive to set up when compared to um, a simple will. Usually the cost of a testamentary trust would be between two and a half and five thousand dollars as opposed to around five hundred dollars for a simple will. So a lot of people consider that this expense is unnecessarily un- unnecessary given the size of their estate or the means they currently have available to them. Despite that, I'd say that a testamentary trust should always be used in at least the following cases, for example, where a beneficiary will inherit an income or income producing asset where a beneficiary is already earning or is likely to earn a significant amount as in, and is in a high tax bracket, where the asset protection is needed or desired and where a beneficiary will require protection from themselves or third parties. Well, let's move on to the other one, which is the enduring power of attorney. What are they? Oh, well, no um, estate planning advice is complete without mentioning enduring powers of attorney and enduring guardians. An enduring power of attorney essentially allows someone else to act on your behalf in relation to all things financial. An enduring power of attorney needs to be made when you're of sound mind and will continue should your capacity be lost. 
So once you lose capacity to make decisions, it's not possible for you to revoke or change a power of attorney. Um, an enduring power of attorney can be expressed to commence immediately or for a specified period of time, or alternatively, you can add a safeguard that it won't come into effect unless a medical practitioner determines that you require assistance. As I said, a power of attorney allows you to delegate all your financial responsibilities to another. So that's such things as operating bank accounts, signing documents on your behalf, and managing property, which could include selling or borrowing against a property if that's determined to be in your best interests. An attorney must always step into, sorry, would also step into your place in legal proceedings if necessary. So it would be very important that uh, we uh, trust the, the person that exactly. we're giving this to. Exactly. Yeah, when I'm advising on who to appoint as an attorney, I um, usually advise that firstly you'd probably consider your spouse if you have one, and then a close or trusted family member or friend, keeping in mind that it could be quite a long-term obligation, so your parents aren't necessarily the best choice given that their likely age when it come, becomes necessary might be a little bit too much. Um, and then it goes without saying that you must be sure of the people that you are appointing as a significant scope for abuse of a power of attorney. So, so what about the other document, an enduring guardian? Uh, an enduring guardian is similar to a power of attorney in that it allows you to delegate your decision-making powers. This time it's in relation to your medical, health care and treatment decisions. And another difference is that an enduring guardian will not operate until you have actually lost the um, capacity to make your own decisions. At, when people are thinking about enduring guardians, they often also think about making what is colloquially referred to as a living will. Mm -hmm. um, however, unless the need is imminent, that is, if you've had a diagnosis and know what is ahead of you, I don't advise making that type of thing. And I would prefer that people just have a conversation periodically with their guardian so that they're aware of your views on these types of things, but are not tied to them if the terms of your living will do not exactly fit your circumstances. It's just too hard to predict the future in that regard. Great. Well, that's, uh, that was some important information for us in state planning. Thank you very much for your time again. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Samantha Miller there from Baker Love Lawyers, estate planning. Yes, it's always important. It's amazing how many people do not have a will, particularly... Um, but now we understand there's two types of wills and it could be important that we have the right one in place uh, for our uh, estate uh, should we pass on. we have a chat with Christina from Ideation at Work. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And uh, we're going to have uh, three useful tips for business. Yeah, so I thought today what we'd do, and we'll just give you some practical examples about how this has happened, so tip one is, and we probably have used these words um, before, but we're just going to drill them home. So the first one is stand secure. So businesses today more than ever, whether they're large or small, whether they're corporations, whether they're even like solopreneurs, if we want to use that, that phrase, but they need to stand secure and they need to know the voice that they want to speak in. They need to know what the message is. So the message needs to be consistent, and this isn't new, it's not rocket science, but it's a reminder. So message needs to be consistent. What is the message going to be? And clearly for, for you and I, that keeps coming back to the why. Why do you exist? What is it that you want people to take away from you every time they meet with you? But also, what is it that you want to impart to your family, to your friends, to your colleagues, to, you know, how, however wide your circle goes? 
it's a benchmark for your values and it becomes an example um, of, of who you want to be. So did some work recently with an organisation and their why is to build healthy relationships. And when it all boiled down, that's what they wanted to do at home, at work with colleagues, with clients, so it kind of multiplied out into their whole existence. So how does that work for you? What's that consistent message? What's the voice that you want to use? The second the second point is adopting and adapting. So we often tell people in, in workshops or in one-on-one consults to look outside the industry that they work in. Mm. Go, to, go to generic conferences. Go to talks from people that are in completely different fields because you never know what you're going to pick up. Uh, And a really, for me, a good example of that came through this week. So stem cell therapy, for example, has been around since 1968. It was the first time there was a a stem cell transplant, so it clearly happened before that. Um, But in 1968, it was performed on twins uh, who had a severe immunodeficiency. Now, what's happened over the years between 1968 and 2018 this week, or, or this week we found out about it, probably happened a little while ago, um, but they used stem cell therapy to repair the spinal cord of, a, of an ape that had um, spinal cord injury. So where once that would have been the end debilitating, you know, confined to a wheelchair, mm. there is now, you know, so there's that kind of hope. So adopting and adapting um, and things that are within your industry, without your industry, but keep thinking, what are new ways to use this? And that comes with point three, which is, have a curious mind, like constantly look and see what's going on. The, the crux, the, the absolute essential behind any kind of creativity and innovation is to have a curious mind. What are ways that you can improve things, whether they're processes, whether they're products, you know, whether it's a service that you're offering, how do you improve things? How do you make either um, incremental improvements to something or how do you disrupt an industry? It doesn't matter. The curious mind is going to keep asking, what if? What if? What if we do this? Now, what we often suggest to to organisations is that they write it on signs. I know a couple of um, organisations that have got it as as a desktop. So when when their people come in in the morning and turn on um, their computers, clearly it doesn't work in every workplace now because most people bring in a laptop. Um, But if they go to a company site to the intranet, the first thing they see is, what if? Mm. And so that stimulates a whole different um, different way of thinking than A, if it wasn't there, but if you listen to conversations around you about constant improvements and changes, most of that conversation starts with a yes, but, mm. okay? Yes, I can see your point, but here's the reason why it won't work. Mm. So if we constantly remind um, employees, managers, leaders, you know, ourselves to think in terms of what if, if, we, if it's all around us, like you know, write it on large pieces of paper and hang it in the kitchen. Um, But if we have a what-if curious mindset, uh, then we're constantly going to be learning, constantly going to be adapting, constantly going to be changing things. And, of course, uh, um, the other question we could ask is, how do I do it? Um, It's amazing how many people... How many people come to me and say, uh, how do I do this? Well, there's a wealth of information on Google uh, these days and, of course, uh, even the library still. And Jim Rowan makes the comment that only only 3% of the people in the world actually uh, use the library. Yeah, and isn't that sad? Because libraries these days are very, um, they're very high tech. You know, yeah. they've usually got the internet. They've got, so I, if I'm in a, in a different city for a day, then I'll seek out the library because I know that I'll get a strong Wi-Fi uh, and a wealth of information. You know, and you never know who you're going to bump into there mm. either. So, you know, I've, met, I've had some, I've actually had some meetings in libraries, which is really good. So libraries are awesome resources. But again, you know, be curious, think outside, find out what's going on. 
Um, what the, and isn't it amazing how many people you now refer to Dr. Google, yeah. uh, which is a which is a thing in itself. How could a, an idea so you know one day Google was a crazy idea, the next day it became a reality, and now. We use it. Uh, we, we had a discussion yesterday, actually, um, around where would we be without the internet. And there's a there's a generation really of people now that don't know life before the internet. And I actually had somebody say, I don't know if this is the right thing to say on on radio or not, but he said, look, I'm a smoker, and I know that even if the internet was proved to to cause all kinds of health issues, I would not go without internet. Mm. And that's how that's how crucial it has become because we were talking about you know what happens, how important is it, what happens in a power failure, for example, um, you know because we're so dependent on power, power for our internet, our computers, our phones. Yeah, and uh, I could, I, well, I, I, as you know, I train businesses to do business plans and so forth. Twenty five years ago, they had to go to the libraries and 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 also visit and, and talk to people. These days, most of it can be done online. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and I, I think I think there's still a whole lot of things to be said for that face-to-face relationship. Oh, and it's, you know, I think we talked about it when I came back from um, from the States in December. It was something, it was one thing to be in communication with all these people from around the world, but it's another thing to be in a room where, and, you know, and I was very blessed at the time, there were, there were 78 people from 38 different countries um, sitting in one room, exchanging ideas. Now that was absolute gold. You know that intenseness that happened in that in that experience was remarkable. The internet is a is absolutely a wonderful source, um, and you can do so many things from it. But we mustn't devalue the face to face relationships. And what an amazing world we live in, where we can combine the two, where we have a balance of the two. And it always brings me back to um, to the quote from Tom Kelly: "Humanity is at it, or we we are at our best when." humanity and technology meet what do humans need well thanks very much for your time christina we'll have a chat with you again next week look forward to it julian have a great week you too thank you bye-bye christina there well three useful tips and uh, it's very important to be curious i think and keep seeking out help and advice and got time for a harvard business review tip as we said earlier this one is gain control over anxiety inducing thoughts you're stuck in traffic You're going to miss your flight and the game-changing meeting at the other end of it. Your presentation is poorly executed. You're not going to win the new client. There goes the promotion and maybe worse. If only those anxiety-inducing thoughts could be swatted away like so many pesky insects. The good news is that there is a way to gain control over them. Bring order to the chaos by making a list. Write down what you need to do and plan to get it done. Tackle the distasteful tasks first to get them over with. Procrastinating will only increase your anxiety. If your problem is not too much to do but too little, which sometimes can be even worse, seek out additional activities to stay busy and avoid brooding. Too much disorganised space, including mental space, can feel oddly oppressive. So it's an interesting thought. We all get those anxiety thoughts. Keep busy, keep focused. Don't worry about the things you don't want to do. Get them out of the way first and don't worry about them. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've uh, talked about estate planning with Samantha Miller from Baker Love Lawyers and three useful tips for business from Christina Garakaitis. In a moment, Jane, um, John Slaven will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. 
Next week, we're going to talk about the laws relating to fire safety in your business with Greg Adams from the West Group, and he was a, is an ex-superintendent of the Fire Brigade. We'll chat with about innovation with Christine, and we'll have more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week, and as Jim Rowan once said, successful people do what unsuccessful people are not willing to do. Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.